So I honestly feel like my self before I got here was like, I want to experience extreme contrast. I want to be put into a system that disempowers me, that makes me deeply forget who I am. Like, so like evangelicalism, um, I want to be call- I want to put it, have a human experience where I feel colonized. And so because of that contrast, I had to forget so deeply so that mm-hmm. when I remembered it would be right. It would be just like yeah. this dramatic freedom. And perhaps I wouldn't feel this way if I didn't sign up for the contrast of it. This episode is sponsored by the Women of Color Summit. The Women of Color Summit is an equitable community organization focused on creating safe and inclusionary spaces for women and non-binary people of color to share stories and knowledge as well as to make impactful change. Currently, the Women of Color Summit has enrollment open for their 12-week group program, Deepening Your Spiritual Practices in Community. This is a container for folks looking to deepen their spiritual practice in a mindful, loving community. This will be a brave space for transformational self-care where you'll be seen and supported. They'll be exploring this connection to source and to community by using specific tools like meditation, ancestral work, breath work, lunar magic, tarot, and asana. There's going to be amazing guest facilitators, healers, mentors to continue to build this community and space. If you're interested in applying for this winter cohort to begin in mid-November, feel free to go to the womanofcolorsummit.com to apply for the waitlist. You can also find the link in the Woman of Color Summit Instagram and you can apply there as well. This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. I am joined by Aimee Sheher, who is the owner and creatrix of Mayari Moon Apothecary, an energy apothecary dedicated to Mayari, the Philippine goddess of the moon, combat and revolution. Her offerings are inspired by the diversity of Mayari, so she offers products for self-care ritual as well as sacred Kali or Filipino martial arts circles. Welcome, Aimee. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm excited for our conversation today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited too. Um, so where to start? I feel like we had a chat before this and it was so lovely and I feel like you're so bubbly and so wise. So I'm so excited to jump in. Um, but I was thinking to just start with the 
kind of obvious one. You created this wonderful moon apothecary um, and you do a lot of work around this one goddess. I was wondering if you could um, tell us who that is and maybe what she means to you. Yeah. So Mayati, uh, she is the Philippine goddess of the moon. So pre-colonial Philippines had their own gods and goddesses, just like um, many of the other ancient civilizations. So, you know, Rome has Diana. I think Greece has Selene. And so um, Mayati is, is the pre-colonial Philippines goddess of the moon, but not only the moon, but combat and revolution. So her story is that she um, fought with her brother, the god of the sun, whose name was Apulaki. So Apulaki and Mayadi fought for equal rule of the sky. Mayadi wanted to rule equally. And Apulaki said, I don't think so. I'm just going to rule it all myself. Thank you. But Mayadi said, uh, no, and she had Kali sticks, Filipino martial arts um, sticks. For those who aren't familiar with those, they're um, like long bamboo sticks, about maybe 30 to 36 inches. And um, so she fought her brother, wow. who was the god of the sun, for equal rule of the sky. And um, in the process, she lost her, I think it's her left eye. So she's often depicted with one eye, but she did get equal rule of the sky, uh, which is why mm. the moon is in at night, but that's why her light is dimmer because of her eye. So um, that is who Mayati is. And um, what she means to me is, you know, there, you hear, of, I grew up hearing about the Greek gods and goddesses and the Roman gods and goddesses, and they seem so powerful and cool. And when I realized that our uh, my own pre-colonial ancestors had their own gods and goddesses, I was like, there is a goddess who looks like me? And that yeah. like representation matters, right? And so I don't know, mm -hmm. that just like shifted something in my brain, even spiritually, right? So um, just to have spiritual leaders or spiritual figures who represent who you are, yeah. Um, so when I found out who she was, I was just like, my mind was blown and I was instantly like drawn to her. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious too, and you don't have to answer, but I'm reading um, Goddesses and Every Woman. I don't know if you've read that book by mm. Jean something, something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but she's, she goes through archetypes, like Jungian archetypes, but of women who are kind of based off of the seven main Greek goddesses. Um, and as you were explaining her, she sounds really similar to Artemis, who um, is the huntress and also the yeah. moon goddess as well. And she has a brother, Apollo, I think, who is yeah. the sun god. Um, so that seems really interesting. It seems like in different cultures, we have the same kind of archetypes or gods and goddesses, but in a way that can reflect our own culture. Is that kind of, am I grasping that correctly? Yes, yeah. So, um, but you know, the Roman gods and the Greek gods are the ones that are more uh, heard of. So uh, growing yeah. up, I didn't know about them. And yeah. they're, so the mythology of um, uh, Apulaki and Mayati, and there are other 
uh, gods and goddesses as well. But it really spoke to me and I was, I was really drawn to it. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're so right. It's so, I mean, we probably know why that we're only taught about a certain sliver of, of these gods and goddesses in different cultures. Um, but I imagine that that was so empowering to realize that there was someone, this goddess that you could look up to and embody that was also in your own culture. Is that true? Yes. Yes. The embodiment part for sure, just to see um, a physical, like I said, like a, a goddess who represented me. So that in like, I know everything is spiritual, right? I know I'm a spiritual being. You are a spiritual being. We are all spiritual beings. However, to see um, a spiritual like goddess, like that sort of archetype being portrayed as you, right? Who looks like you. There's something about it that makes your body, like your physical body go, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it takes it from just like knowing it in the mind and like this esoteric, like, oh yes, I'm spiritual. But then like, it like puts it in your body. That's how it felt like for me anyway. Like it put spirituality into my body. Does that make sense? So. Yes. Wow. That is a beautiful way to describe it. And I really appreciate it too, because I've heard, I think we've all probably heard the word embodiment, but it's kind of vague too. (laughs) Like, Like, what does that really mean? And so I like the way that you're describing her literal embodiment makes you feel like you're able to embody spirit and the qualities that she has as well. I think that's really, really cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She just represents so, so much for me. So I'm uh, just fortunate that I came upon her when I did in a, in a crucial part of my spiritual journey. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since you kind of started talking about it, is it okay for me to ask you to maybe tell us how you went on this journey of finding her and connecting to yourself in this way? Yeah. So I was always kind of drawn to the moon, but aren't we all right? Like, aren't we yeah. all like, oh my gosh, look at the moon when it's like crazy <laughs> big or beautiful or something. Right. And yeah. so, um, but my my religious history background for my personal religious history is I grew up in the evangelical uh, church. So I was taught that gods and goddesses, uh, that's pagan, don't even look into it. Um, and so I, so I didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um but I was always drawn to the moon. And interestingly enough, so I'm, I'm an adopted person. And, um, but when I was adopted, uh, my adoptive mom changed my middle name. And my middle name used to be Diana. Yeah, so, so like the goddess of the moon has just like been around since birth, but then I was taught don't look at her because she's pagan and could like lead you to hell. Right. And so, (laughs) right. And so once I um, kind of found myself on the process of what people are calling now, like deconstructing their, their faith. um, I started that like way before, like years before. 
And once I started on that journey, um, um, I kind of was opened up more to understanding how everything is good. Everything is spiritual. I am good. I am spiritual. And also alongside of um, deconstructing my faith came um, decolonization for me. So understanding how um, I was kind of taught to put on this colonizer mind in that, um, you know, Eurocentric, for instance, like Eurocentric features are better, you know? And um, so for me, the process of deconstruction, decolonization, um, and just that whole journey brought me to Mayati. And honestly, I feel like it brought me back to myself. And just knowing mm -hmm. that my name was Diana and I'm now drawn to Mayati, it feels like a full circle kind of thing. You know, like I, I was supposed to be here in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and something that caught my eye was the importance of what you said that when people are brought up in a religion that feels very, it's this way or the hell way, if you will, um, that there's no room for exploration. And I've been reflecting recently on how that can be very sad that we are taught so much and, and not even if we don't grow up in a church, but it's enforced by all these other people that there's like that we don't know best or that exploring or learning about new things is not good. Um, so I just thank you so much for I'm saying this in such a choppy way, but I really appreciate that you brought that up. And I'm curious about what that process was for you of, of knowing, OK, I can't explore these things, even though I'm drawn to them, even though that's my authentic wish and, and desire. Um, or else I'm going to go to hell. Um, right. What was it like to give yourself permission, I guess, to explore those? things? Oh, my gosh, it was hard. It was difficult. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, like everyone is kind of everyone here in, in America and speaking of the American context uh, is yeah. kind of put in this right or wrong um, sort of view of the world because, you know, we're 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 pure Puritans. We're, you know, the Puritans came here to settle America. Um, so um, for me growing up in it, it, I was, I was steeped in it. I was, and I believed it wholeheartedly. Like I believed the things that I said and mm, yeah. I, I was a leader in our church. Uh, I worked for our church at one point I was going to be a pastor. So like, I was like in it. Right. And so yeah. One of the things that you had mentioned is like questions, right? So um, one day I had a question. I had one of somebody who dear, dear, dear to me um, came out. They came out to me and they were like, I'm part of the LGBTQ community. And I know I knew that they came out to me first because I represented church to them. And mm. um, I was always taught in the evangelical context that um, homosexuality is a sin, right? And so mm -hmm. here was this beautiful person in front of me who I loved and adored. And 
um, you know, it's cliche, like you never think about these questions until, you know, it becomes personal or whatever, but it, right. it became personal for me. And I was like, okay, um, what do I, what do I think about it? Mm-hmm. So I actually, because I had a theological background, I mm-hmm. kind of dove into the scriptures. I dove into the Hebrew. I dove into the context. And when I came back out, um, I was like, it, no, we're this, no, it's not a sin. We're reading the context wrong. We're reading the, the Greek and Hebrew wrong. But because of the culture, right? Um, it is seen, no one wants to look, does it, no one wants to like, talk about that in the evangelical church so while I was encouraged in my questions I was always told yes questions are great questions you should question but when I came up on the quote-unquote wrong answer Mm. um I knew I, I I knew that I couldn't I knew that I couldn't stay anymore you know I couldn't be on stage and do what I was doing while Mm. also feel it was such a what is that cognitive dissonance you know it just Mm. created like conflict inside of me and so I mean everything was um congenial when I left but um that whole process was difficult a little bit lonely Mm. scary for sure because you know you can't talk tell your people that, you know, oh, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm, I'm questioning not only because so like the is homosexuality a sin was the thread, right? So you pull mm. the thread and the whole sweater, the whole sweater unravels. So that's what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was like for me. <laughs> like I pulled that thread and along came along with it came um, everything else. So um uh, like I said, I was also on my decolonization journey. So that kind of crashed into that as well. Uh, and just understanding what the system uh, at, of church yeah. historically has done to the freaking world, like the whole world, uh, kind yeah. of messed me up. I was just like, what? What's happening? And so um 20 so I was on my decolonization process and also my deconstruction I left the church in 2019 at the end of 2019 and then uh 2020 hit and I was fortunate like I was fortunate enough not to have lost anybody to uh, the pandemic and I was Mm -hmm. able to it was actually like a spiritual incubator for me honestly and I um that's when I started decolonizing my faith, like hardcore, like mm. just understanding what I was taught to believe and then what my ancestors believed um, and just kind of parsing that out and trying to understand it for myself, understand it like uh, emotionally, understand it like cognitively, intellectually, and then like in, bo- like in my body, right? Mm. So yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that beautiful and vulnerable story. Um, and I love that you keep saying that everything is spiritual. Um, you mind explaining what that means to you? Yeah. So uh, my, 
my pre-colonial ancestors were animists, which means they believe that everything has a spirit. Um, so uh, even before I knew that, I would see things in the world and see spiritual connections, right? Or spiritual tie-ins to everything. Or um, I just could see the spirituality behind what was happening. Uh, so I would, I, I, I always said everything is spiritual. But now that I'm where I am now in my own spiritual journey, I'm like, okay, literally though, <laughs> like literally though, everything is spiritual, right? Like yeah. everything has, okay. So if you, you don't even want to use the word spirit, everything has an energy. Everybody believes like there's an energy, like a scientifically, my phone has an energy. You have an energy signature. I have an energy signature. So it's like, that's what I mean too. Like everything has an energy signature. So therefore everything has kind of like its own spiritual uh, frequency, if you will. Yeah. So um, I just, uh, that's, so that's kind of what I mean when I say everything is spiritual, everything has a spiritual tie-in, um, for me anyway, that's how, that's kind of how I walk around seeing the world. I don't know if my friends and family are like rolling their eyes, like, <laughs> can't, can't anything just be normal? Why does everything <laughs> have to be spiritual? I mean, <laughs> I know I, I can relate that my partner, I'll be like, you know, I was thinking about this and then today I saw this and I just know it's a spiritual sign. Yeah. He's like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. But I can't help it. So, but and that's who I am. So that's all right. It's beautiful. And um, when you were talking about leaving the church, you said that it was very lonely, um, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think we've talked about that on here before too. That when you leave this organized religion, or if you don't belong to an organized religion, it can feel really lonely at first, yeah. especially because that's a lot of how people either are connected to their family or how they make friends as an adult uh -huh. um and I'm curious if you were able to create community in other ways yeah um yeah it is very scary leaving that's why it took me so long to leave like I pulled that thread mm -hmm. five years before I even left and mm -hmm. it's because your community you know your community is there you see these people around town at the grocery store right and it's a big deal yeah. especially in the evangelical faith to say i don't believe x y or z which are the tenets of what you believe right so yeah. um as far as community oh my gosh i i i know everyone kind of hates zoom and has zoom fatigue but and hmm. and also uh it has allowed me to connect with people i normally wouldn't have connected with and has allowed me to build community online and uh face to face that has that has you know evolved into uh, IRL <laughs> in real life friendships right so yeah. that's kind of the way um I built my community is mostly of of people who are specifically on the kind of like the similar journey of decolonization and the destruction um, was kind of like online. So, but I am fortunate enough to have um, very close friends 
um, a good group of women around me here in person who um, love and accept me and kind of are on the same journey as well. So I am um, fortunate. I'm very, very fortunate to have them as well, but they're, they are not necessarily in the same cultural, from the same cultural context. So um, in, in ways that that can be lonely as well, but that's, thank, thank Mayari for the internet. I don't know. She probably had nothing to do with the internet, but I'm just (laughs) saying like, thank, I'm glad that the internet is a thing. So yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I want to skip a little bit around to the website and the story that you created. Um, your self-care products help with ritual and self-care. And so I'm just curious what self-care means to you. Cause I think it can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. Okay. So self-care, what does that mean to me? Um, so, you know, sometimes when people talk about self-care, it's, they, they imagine like somebody hanging out with like a robe and like they have a mask <laughs> and like, uh, what is that cucumber slices on their eyes or whatever. Right. Yeah. But, um, honestly, self-care is very personal. That's why it's called self, mm-hmm. right? So self-care can be literally anything, um, from, doing a mask with cucumbers on your face to taking a walk in the woods to um, shopping, honestly, can be self-care if that is something that uh, builds you up in the moment. So I, I, when pe- it's such a broad thing because it's such a personal thing and there are so mm. many so many types of people in the world. So there's going to be so many types of self-care. So when people ask me what, you know, I, I sell, uh, products for self-care. So, um, I have body butter, I have, um, oils and bath soaks. So usually that I feel like that is the inroads into kind of like first caring for yourself is like, okay, Mm -hmm. well just pause and run a bath or pause and, you know, just take a moment and put oil on your face. Right. And so once you start doing that and taking care of yourself, Mm -hmm. it can lead you into knowing what else, uh, feels good for you. So that's how I see self-care. It's very, very personal. So. Absolutely. And I love that. And I think that also is a really good window, I guess, into the idea that self-care is not just one thing either. It's anything that helps you take care of yourself. Yes. And I, yeah. And I feel like for a while it was like all just spas and and bubble baths. And then it was like, it's not bubble baths. And now I feel like as like the internet evolves or whatever, we're understanding that it can actually be both of those things. And so I love that you're using your products as a gateway for people to pause and take care of their physical body, yeah. which as we know, has a ripple effect on the whole self. Yes, exactly. Because everything is spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Are you ready to dive deep into your desires, your thoughts, and your fears? Do you want to heal the body while also healing the mind? Are you tired of being seen as symptoms rather than a whole person? If this sounds like you, join me in Holistic Health Coaching. 
I use a blend of the seen and the unseen, the scientific and the spiritual, the practical with the mystical, to help you find healing. Through my work, I blend my practical knowledge and experience in mental health and addiction counseling, assessments, and health coaching with spirituality, ritual, embodiment, and going within. I am not a healer, but rather I am the catalyst that will help you ground and access your innate wisdom as we embark on your healing journey together. A coaching session with me may incorporate embodiment techniques, guided meditation, listening and learning from each other, meeting inner archetypes, assessing attachment styles, utilizing mindfulness, assessing health and lifestyle, incorporating mental health tools, and much more. Go to empoweredspirituality.online to claim your free consultation today. That's true. That's beautiful. And then you also have your products available. Are they the same products that are for ritual or can you use your self-care as ritual? What does that mean? And what does that look like? Yes and yes. So um, my main product at the moment, uh, physical product that I offer is my body butter. And so that is uh, inspired by phases of the moon. So I have a full moon, I have a new moon. um, And so some of my um, people who, some of my customers are very witchy. And so they'll use it literally in their, like if, you know, you've heard of people taking full moon Uh, they have full moon ritual, which includes a bubble bath. So they'll use my product in that actual ritual. Right. And so, um, so it can be used for ritual and it can be used for just, I'm going to go to work. uh, But after I shower, I'm going to put this body butter on. And honestly, that's, that's a ritual. That's a ritual as Mm -hmm. well, you know, and just pausing to take care of yourself and just um, having like a daily routine of just intentionally um, taking care of yourself. So the Mm -hmm. way I make my body butter and my products is it's small batch. Actually, I'm all out right now. Oh, so hopefully, hopefully I can get some up on the shop by the time this, (laughs) this episode uh, rolls out, but yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) So, um, but the way I make it is um, there, it's all organic. There's five ingredients, but one of the main ones is like, uh, it's like beautiful sesame oil, organic sesame oil. And so I take it under the moon and do my own ritual blessings. And so, um, and then that's put into the product that is made. So even if you're not using it for actual ritual or what, or mm. what have you, you are, everything is spiritual. (laughs) So like, even if you're just using it for self-care, you're still getting that energy of blessing of, um, of love, like into you. So, yeah. That's beautiful. I actually met a woman, uh, semi-recently and she was saying that she's always been a healer, even though she hasn't been working in like the healing, healing space, for very long. Uh, and she was saying that when she worked at a flower shop, every flower that she put in the jar, she would give a little blessing, like let mm-hmm. this flower bring happiness and let this one bring peace and love. And I think that's another way that everything is spiritual too, is that your intention's always present with you. Yes, exactly. That's beautiful. Yes, definitely healer vibes without, you know, being whatever traditional 
how you see a quote unquote healer or whatever. But yeah, everything is spiritual. The intention behind something is definitely what makes something spiritual, right? So that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. Um, and then you said something too about ritual, how, yeah, you can have this like very elaborate and beautiful and thought out and planned ritual, but then also your ritual could be taking a quick shower and rubbing lotion on before you go to work. And I think that's something that I kind of learned recently too, that when I first got into spirituality and, and like kind of my own witchiness, if you will, uh, the like rituals had to be like very well researched and like very specific. And now I feel like it's present doing this. And I took a shower before this and I made tea and I blessed my tea. So ritual can be so present in so many parts of our lives. Yes, yes, for sure. I um, just like self-care, it's very, very personal. It's a personal thing. Um, what what feels um what feels not just good to you, but like life giving to you that you want to return to on a semi-regular basis. Right. So, Hmm. um, that's what I consider to be ritual, something that calls to you. Like I, I need to make my tea before I do this podcast. I, I just feel like I need that. And that's a ritual that I return to. Like Hmm. one of my daily rituals is washing my face. Like I freaking love my face washing routine. Um, and I put, I put headphones in. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. Sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes like literally I'll just like scroll through TikTok or whatever while I'm like doing my facial stuff, but it's just like something that's life-giving and love. So it's self-care and it's ritual and it's ritual and it's self-care and it's very personal. Like I wouldn't and it's spiritual. <laughs> and it's spiritual. Yes, exactly. I wouldn't necessarily prescribe. It's very personal as and I wouldn't be like, oh, you you need to do you need to do this, you know, tell anybody mm-hmm. else that they would need to uh, do the things that I'm doing, because that that might not be something that they're called to. Um, so, yeah. And that and coming out of the evangelical framework of right and wrong. This is the right way to do things. This is the wrong way to do things. If you don't do these things this way, this might not happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've also had to, I got to take that into my, um, spiritual practices now and realize that I am free to do whatever I want. Like (laughs) if I want to have this elaborate full moon ritual, like, yes, but also if I miss a new moon and I'm like, Oh snap, was that the new moon that just passed? It's okay. Like no one, nothing bad is going to happen. No one's going to call me out. No one's going to like, I don't know, say anything because it's personal where you are in life where you are in the year what's happening around you right so um I just love the fact that um anything can be ritual and ritual is something that is routine like right but then Mm -hmm. that you can like break out of that routine and be like nah I don't want to do that and you can change it if it's not calling to you or life-giving then stop Mm -hmm why yeah do it just just to do it just because that's what you've always done um on a new moon or that's always what you've done this whatever so yeah oh that's beautiful and I love that you kind of touched on the perfectionism part of ritual 
And I feel like ritual, I heard it described by someone as being very fluid and um, like creative. Uh, and I feel like the perfectionism part is not inherently what ritual is meant to be. So I like that you really give yourself that uh, grace and that flexibility around your ritual. Yeah. Um, and I kind of think I learned that from the evangelical church. There's so many rituals. I mean, I will say one thing about church culture. There is a, there are a lot of rituals. That's probably why like my spirit was called to experience, um, mm. religion, if you will, because there are a lot of beautiful rituals. Um, but if you think about it, every ritual started out from someone, su someone's super spiritual personal experience that moved them, right? And mm -hmm. then, but then they try to take it and be like, now everybody got to do this, this time, every week for the rest of your life. And that's supposed to be life giving, right? But it's like, no, no. Like if it's not life-giving to you, stop doing it and do something else, right? And find yeah. uh the something that speaks to you. So um yeah, I just I it's just crazy to me when I realized like those rituals were personal for somebody else, but then they said you need to do it, right? Just like I said, I wouldn't prescribe my nightly um intense skincare routine to any it's preposterous to think that anybody can tell you this is what you need to do you know mm -hmm. they can suggest things for you as gateways into self-care as an on-ramp into ritual right but mm -hmm. um to say this is what you need to do uh, uh whenever now when everybody whenever anybody kind of feels like that's they're going that way I kind of I kind of take everything they say with a grain of salt, right? So. Absolutely. Um, I feel like there's such a beautiful knowing yourself that ritual, like the more you know yourself, the more specific your ritual will be to you. And the more specific your ritual is, the more that you get to know yourself. And so it sounds like a very cool gateway into the self. Yes. Yeah. And that's exciting. And that's, um, you know, also why I just feel so much freedom and so much life on this side of religion, on this side of um, the church, big C and the evangelical structure, just because um, I am finally allowing myself to know myself and to trust myself mm -hmm. and um, return to myself, honestly. Mm, that's beautiful. And I love what you said too. Um, you said it and I almost missed it, but you said um, like why you were called to experience church. And I thought that was really, really beautiful that while you would probably not go back <laughs> and it maybe like wasn't overall a good experience, um, but you're, you have this beautiful outlook that that was needed maybe for you to get to where you are today or that that experience was a valuable part of you. Yeah, I um uh, personally take the view that you sign up for your life's lessons before you get here. Mm -hmm. So, um, at one point I was like, why, why did I sign up for, why did I sign up for some of the things I signed up for though? Like, what was <laughs> I thinking? And, um, honestly, like, so if you think about it, um, 
there is no, what did he want? So do So there's no, I, I personally don't believe there's no duality, but there are polarities. There are contrasts. So I honestly feel like myself before I got here was like, I want to experience extreme contrast. I want to be put into a system that disempowers me, that makes me deeply forget who I am. Like, so like evangelicalism, um, I want to be called, I want to put it, have a human experience where I feel colonized. And so because of that contrast, I had to forget so deeply so that mm -hmm. when I remembered it would be right. It would be just like yeah. this dramatic freedom. And perhaps I wouldn't feel this way if I didn't sign up for the contrast of it. Um, so, and, you know, I will say, you know, not everything was bad. Like, I don't want to like mm, sit yeah, here and bad mouth the church or people who like, there are people listening who still go. Um, but that was just my experience. Like my childhood was great. But once I started like, yeah, you know, you just pull the cord, pull the string and everything. You see the man behind the curtain, you see everything. And you're like, ah, what, why was I there? So, but um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, I, I, I signed up for contrast um, and mm. I was probably called to the church because, um, because of ritual and because yeah of the spiritual, there is spirituality there, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. And you learn so much about ritual, even if it's what you don't want, and that can still be a valuable lesson. Yes, exactly. What you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, oh, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And in our pre-podcast pre chat, that's a surprisingly hard thing to say, um, you said that everything is a revolution, and that really stuck with me to come back to. Can you maybe expand on that for us? Um, yeah, so everything is a revolution. Oh, my goodness. Um, honestly, it... <laughs> It ties into everything is spiritual. It ties into the fact that, you know, everything can be ritual and everything can be self-care. So everything is, so if you, a revolution is anything that is changing your life, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or moving culture or changing or shifting culture or shifting yourself inside of yourself. And I honestly believe that anything if you allow it to be, can be revolutionary, you know, like, um, and I, like I said, it ties into everything being spiritual. Like if you see the spirituality behind it, then you can see the potential for, for it to affect you on a level, you know, like, okay, so drinking tea, like, oh, how is drinking tea a revolution, right? But like, the fact that you're sitting down with yourself, just for like five minutes, right, is changing you inside. And so that's like a, a mini revolution right there. So, um, so there are big revolutions, mini revolutions every day is every day, everything is a revolution because everything is spiritual. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. That's beautiful. Um, oh, thank you so much. Um, and I'm going to shift again. We have so many awesome topics that I want to talk to you about because of all the awesome work you do and the amazing person you are. Um, but I wanted to talk about the Filipino martial arts that you're doing and how you came across that and how that impacts your spirituality as well. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah. So I practiced Kali um, or Filipino martial arts. It is also known as Escrima or Arnis. Um, but those two words are Spanish um, influenced when the Spaniards came and uh, colonized the Philippines. But Ka and Li, those sounds are, are the ones that are closer to pre-colonial uh, Philippines, mm -hmm. the language, right? So those sounds. So I call it Kali. Um, there else, there's also a goddess Kali, right? Uh, who's the goddess of yeah. like, destruction and birth. I forget. Is it the Hindu religion? Anyway, I won't speak on things I don't know. But Kali, it's Filipino martial arts. So I've been practicing for years now. Um, and I started training um, when I was still in the church context, actually. Oh. And yeah, so I started training and learning like it, um, once I got a pair of sticks in my hands, like I said, we use bamboo sticks. When I when I, once I got a pair of bamboo sticks in my hands and started doing those movements, it was like an activation, like an ancestral activation for me. Two oh. months after I started training, I had an ancestor dream. Like my ancestors came to me and called me, and I had no idea the time I had no context for it right because I was taught don't look at your ancestors don't don't look at anything quote-unquote pagan right so I was kind of like I I didn't know what to do with it but I knew it was important I just yeah. knew it was important so now looking back I understand that that was a spiritual call but at the time, so I started training Kali. And that's actually how I started my, my decolonization journey is understanding um, the history of the Philippines and then the history that was taken away from us. And then the history mm -hmm. that was given to us that necessarily wasn't true. Um, the things that influenced us, that made us think that um, like our pre-colonial ancestors weren't good or mm. beautiful or valuable or worthy. So um, it, my decolonization process started a lot cognitively and intellectually, um, but I wouldn't have even gone down, down that journey if uh, I didn't start practicing Kali. So um, mm -hmm. for me, it's a very important part of my life like just my whole, my whole life. And um, like I said, when I met Mayati and you, she has Kali sticks in her hands too. Um, uh, that's when um, it, I don't know, something clicked for me and it was not just a physical thing. It was also a spiritual thing, right? So. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, and I think the last thing um, before we go and ask you the last four questions okay. is maybe just to touch on intuition. And I feel like this all kind of wraps in that maybe you had these like intuitive nudges that, hey, this isn't really right for you. Hey, this isn't really right for you. Mm -hmm. And you listened and you started getting in touch with what was mm -hmm. right for you. I, did intuition kind of play a role in that? Oh, definitely. Um, I've felt like I've always kind of been in, intuitive, but I 
was taught not to listen to myself, don't trust yourself, right? And so I feel like um, coming back to Kali and coming back back to my own uh, spirituality and Kali has, like I said, it has a big is a big part of it. Like now that I look back, it is an, it was a spiritual activation in my body, like it was embodiment. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and then the energy of the moves that I was doing was embodiment. And then, um, but definitely, yeah, I feel like it was intuition. Um, and I think you said it earlier, like once you start knowing yourself, you start knowing, trusting yourself. And once you start trusting yourself, like you start knowing yourself even more. Right. And so it's just like this whole journey and this whole process of returning to yourself, of learning to trust yourself, of learning um, that you are powerful. You are powerful. And no one can take that from you, mm-hmm. um, even though they, they can try. But no, no one can take away your power unless you give it to them. But you can, all, you can take it back. <laughs> you can take back your power, right? Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, it's uh, intuition is uh my friend (laughs) intuition (laughs) is my friend so thank you so much uh and to close i'll ask you the last four questions i ask everyone and the first is what would you tell your younger self knowing all that you know today oh man i um so i go back and tell her a lot actually in meditation i just go travel Mm -hmm. back (laughs) and i tell her that um, that it's difficult now. I know mm-hmm. I'm not trying to tell you it's not difficult, but that mm-hmm. we, whatever happens, you are loved and whatever happens, we're going to get through it together. And that I, I got your back. Mm-hmm. I will take care of you. Wow. Thank you. Um, and how do you connect with your higher self? Whatever that means to you. Oh, through meditation for sure. Meditation, um, like my intuitive hits, I feel like sometimes come from my higher self, but if Mm -hmm. I need to to talk to her, I definitely like sit down and quiet my mind and like call out, (laughs) help me. (laughs) So, um, through meditation for sure. Beautiful. Um, and how do you hope, or what do you hope to learn from your future or older self? Oh my gosh. Um, can I get some winning lotto tickets? No, I'm just kidding. What are the numbers? <laughs> what do I need to know? Um, but let's see. Um, what do I hope to learn from my older self? Oh yeah. What I would like just to be guided on is how to be a really good elder, how mm-hmm. to be a really good future ancestor. Like I know my, my uh, really good friend, sister friend, she says, I know enough, the Socrates quote, like I know enough to know that I know nothing, right? So I know that I'm going to take that till I'm old. I'm, I'm not going to know, I, I'm not going to know anything. But how do I walk with wisdom? How do I be a good matriarch? How do I, how do I embody an elder um, for the younger generation without being so rigid and so um religious if you will in the sense of 
not moving and thinking everything new is bad. So how do I, I, I would love to know what that feels like, what that looks like. So mm-hmm. um, that's what I would want to know from my older self. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. And the last one is what does empowered spirituality mean to you? Oh my gosh. So I think we've been talking about it uh, this whole time. Mm-hmm. Empowered spirituality means anything that is personal to you that feels spiritual, but it has to be personal to you. It has to, it gets to be personal to you. It gets to be something that is life-giving to you. Um, and like I said, you can listen to people and be inspired and find on-ramps to things, but, but at the end of the day, empowered spirituality means that it comes from, I'll speak for myself, comes from inside of me that I know that it's good, that I know that it's life-giving and no one has told me you have to do this. No one has told me you, you have to do this or else this bad thing will happen. Or if you don't do this, this good thing won't happen. Right. I think it's listening to yourself, trusting your intuition and being like, like you said, empowered, empowered to know Mm -hmm. that you are powerful, that you have the answers and, um, and that everything is, everything is spiritual. (laughs) So that's what empowered spirituality means to me. Intuition, intuition, intuition. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you so much for everything. I, this was a lovely chat and I just adore you. I love the way you speak. I love the way you hold yourself. I love the things you say. So I'm so appreciative that you came on today. Um, and you. the link, thank you. And the link to your Instagram, your podcast and your shop will all be in the show notes. Yes. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I've had a very lovely conversation and I hope it inspires somebody out there. So thank you for listening. Um, and thank you for having me, um, and for inviting me on. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. Mm